Praise the Lord. So good to see everybody in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Let's all stand. What a mighty God we serve. And that God is present here tonight. Amen. He can do anything that we have need of. Anything. I am jacked. I am absolutely pumped. I'm going to receive something from God tonight. I know about you guys, but I'm going to receive something from God tonight. Amen. So I'm excited. Praise God. Because when God gives something, it's awesome. I mean, it is absolutely mind-blowing what the Lord can do. What He wants to do in our midst. Praise God. Let's call out in His name. Amen. He is an awesome God. We receive awesome things from Him. Lord Jesus, we worship You. We praise You. We laud and we magnify You. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity you've given us tonight to enter into your presence, your presence, the very throne room of the Almighty. Oh, hallelujah, Hallelujah, Jesus, I magnify you. I heap glory and honor unto the Most High God. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity you've given me tonight, that you've given your people tonight. I pray, Lord Jesus, that faith would be released into this assembly right now to believe you for anything that we have need of, to believe you for all things, to trust you and to take you at your word when you've given us a promise that we would simply accept it, that we would simply stand on it, that we would take you at your word, the Most High God, because you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. You cannot lie. You will not repent. Hallelujah, Jesus. Those promises are yea and they are amen. We stand on them tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for your precious word. Thank you for every covenant promise you've given us. Thank you for your so great salvation and for all that you desire to do in our midst in this place tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Sister Rudy is going to come and deliver the word of the Lord to us tonight. Amen. As she comes, let's continue to worship God. My God is worthy. Praise God. Maybe we should just worship Him for a while tonight. Let's worship God, folks. My God is worthy of all worship. He's worthy of all praise. He's worthy to receive all glory and all honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I worship you. I worship you, Lord Jesus. You are worthy of my worship. You are the only true, wise, living God. And I worship you tonight. I praise you. I adore you. I laud and I magnify you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I delight myself in the Lord my God, and I rejoice tonight in the God of my salvation. You are the God of my salvation. Hallelujah, Jesus, in whom I trust. In whom I trust. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you tonight. We worship you tonight, thou most high God. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed is the name of the Lord our God. He's high and lifted up in his train. It fills the temple. We thank you. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. You are holy and righteous and mighty. 
There's none like you in all the earth, oh God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Can we just give him a hand clap, a praise? He's so worthy of our praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. There's truly none like Jesus. Where else can we go? I'm so grateful that he called and he chose me to follow after him. And he's calling all of us to follow after him. Today we're going to start with Ephesians 5.15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Circumspectly means diligently. So the title of this message tonight is going to be, Wise Men Still Seek Him. Not the wisdom of man, but the wisdom of God. That's the way we need to walk. And we're going to talk about the children of Israel for a little bit, about when they were in the wilderness. And um, when they were in the wilderness for 40 years, if you really stop and think about it, when you think that the Lord was so gracious to them, he supplied every need that they had. Their feet didn't swell. Their shoes didn't wear out. I have a hard time with shoes. I have wide feet and narrow heels, thanks to my father. My brother has a triple E foot and is short. So a lot of times I can't wear shoes that have heels or backs on them because they slide up and down and I get blisters. So I can't imagine walking in the wilderness for 40 years and that my foot would not swell or I would not get a blister or that their clothes did not wear out. He was that pillar of fire by night, so they had the light. He is the light for us today. His word brings us light and truth. He was a cloud by day to give them cover from the heat. And towards the end of their journey, When they were to go into the promised land, Moses read the law over again to them. And they were to hide it and not forget it. And in Deuteronomy 29, 4 through 6, this is what what Moses read to them. And Moses called unto all Israel, or we'll start with verse 4. Yet the Lord hath not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see, and ears to hear unto this day. And I had led you forty years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxen old upon you, and thy shoe is not waxen old upon thy foot. Ye have not eaten bread, neither have you drunk wine or strong drink, that ye might know that I am the Lord your God. 
And when you came unto this place, well, we'll just stop there. So he is telling them that until that day, they really didn't have eyes that could see and ears that could hear, nor could they really perceive what God was trying to teach them. It took 40 years in the wilderness for their elders to pass away because of unbelief, for them to be able to go to the place that God had promised them. And he's saying, until this day, you couldn't perceive it. But now you're going to perceive it, and you're going to understand it. Because God fed them according to the integrity of his heart. God has integrity in his heart, even today. And he guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. And he guides us today by the skillfulness of his hand. So when Moses was going to pass, he was speaking to the Israelites, and he pronounced a blessing over Joshua. In Deuteronomy 34.9, he said, And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded him. Because, because Moses laid his hands and prayed for Joshua, and the Spirit of the Lord entered into Joshua, the children of Israel were willing to follow him. For 40 years they had listened to the voice of Moses. Moses was their leader. He was the one that spoke face to face with God. And now they were coming to the place where they were going to enter into the promised land. But there was going to be a battle. It was going to be a fight. And their leader was not going to be with them. So they had to have confidence in Joshua. That's why Moses laid his hands on him. As it were, he passed the mantle onto Joshua. Because the Spirit of the Lord filled Joshua. And they were to cross the Jordan. And he was to be their leader, and they were to listen to his voice, and he was to be the voice of God to them. So that's what they did. They went to the Jordan. It was during the swelling of the Jordan. It was during the floods. And before they crossed over, Joshua spoke to them. In Joshua 1, 5 through 9, He says to them, be strong. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. They were going into a land that had giants. They were going into a land that was established. They were not warriors. God, they had fought some battles, but God had fought for them. And really, the truth of the matter is, God was going to fight for them. It wasn't because they were strong warriors. It was because they believed what God was saying to them. He was giving them the strength and the ability to overcome their enemies. So Joshua is telling them, you need to be strong. You need to stand before the all the days of their life. No man's going to stand before you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, 
For unto this people shall thou divide an inheritance, the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest do mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. I love to read this, because that promise was not just for Joshua and the Israelites. It was written down so that we could glean from it. It was not it's not the wisdom of our wisdom or wisdom of man. But God is telling us that no matter what situation or circumstance you may be in, no matter what may be coming our way or what we may face, we can be strong. We can have courage. He's already been that way. He already went that way with the Israelites. When it looked like there was no hope, he always gave hope. He didn't want them to look to the left or to the right. Don't look at the giants. Don't look at what you see. Don't look at their armor. Don't look at their chariots. Don't look at their horses. Don't look at their walled cities that are strong. Don't look at their kings that are defying the living God. Look to the the Lord of heaven, the God of heaven. And that's why he kept going over and over the word of God. Remember the word. Remember the law. We can only go if we have God's word in us. Because he is the word. And only if you know what the word of God says can it come to your mind when you need it. Can it give you wisdom and understanding and direction. He can speak to you because you know his word and you know it's his voice. And no other, because you know that it lines up with his word. So Joshua is encouraging the people. He says, be of good courage, because God's not going to forsake us. So what did they have to do? What must they do? Do not be easily discouraged. That's easy to say, but it's hard to do especially if you start looking around and seeing what's in front of you. God says, don't look around. Look to God. Look to what he did. Look what he did when the Egyptians came after them, when they had nowhere to go, when he parted the Red Sea, when he fed them manna, when he provided water, when their clothes didn't wear out and their foot didn't swell. They were to look to God. They weren't to be discouraged. Whithersoever thou goest, know that the Lord's going to fight for you. You have already fought some battles, and the Lord went before you. We have already fought some battles. The Lord has already gone before us. He has provided for us. When there was no way, 
he's made a way. When trouble comes, that's what you need to look at. When you get discouraged, you need to remember the things that God has done for you or for others. Because if he did it before, he'll do it again. He has never changed. He will never change. He's the same God that Moses knew, that Joshua knew, that fought for the Israelites. He does not change. The battles, they were victorious in before. They would also be victorious in battles that were coming ahead. They were to do according to all the law. Not to turn from it, not to turn, but to look forward because they knew that God was going to be with them. So Joshua sends spies to Jericho, and they come back with a report. Truly, they said, the Lord has delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do face before us. They had all, all those people in that land had heard about what God had done for them. They had heard how he had defeated the Egyptian army. That was no small feat. They were a great army at that time, and they were feared. They had heard how God had taken care of them, how he had fed them, how he had helped them fight the battles. They were afraid. The Israelites didn't need to worry because those people had already heard what God could do, and they were fearful. So the spies came back with a good report. They said, don't faint. It's easy to get weary. It's easy to be downcast. But we can't faint. We can't faint. Even when we see the swelling of the Jordan, even when the floods start to come upon us, we have to lift up our eyes and look unto the King of glory. He's our deliverer, our provider. He will never fail nor forsake us. Others may fail us. Others may forsake us. But he will never leave us alone. So they crossed the Jordan. God had given Joshua instructions that the priests were to go first. Now remember, the Jordan was flooded. This wasn't in the dry season. This was in the wet season. But as soon as they stepped into the water by faith, you see, it takes something. God requires stuff of us. It takes faith. Faith doesn't mean you've seen it happen. Faith means you believe that it's going to happen, that if he said it, he will do it. So the priest stepped into the water, and the water parted. They stepped into the water. It wasn't muddy. It wasn't squishy. It was dry land. And as they stood in the middle of the of the Jordan, after when the people were passing by, Joshua had already chosen 12 men. God told him, you choose one man of, out of every tribe, and you tell him that where the priests are standing, they are to pick up a stone. It's more like a rock. It was heavy, and they had to lift it up on their shoulders, and they were to carry it to the next shore. And they did. And when they got across onto dry land, they built a memorial. Now the children of Israel 
they built this memorial so that when their children would ask them, what is this that we see? It would be a remembrance for them so that they could tell their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren that this is what God did for us. This is to remind us that we came from Egypt, and every promise he gave us he fulfilled, that we walked across the Jordan on dry land. But they didn't pitch their tents, and they didn't stay there. They didn't get stuck in that place where they just kept looking at the memorial. You know, when God saves us, sometimes people get stuck. They think that's where they've come, and it is, it is a wonderful place to be. I will never forget the first time I entered into a church where people were really worshiping God. I'll never forget the first time I repented. I will never forget when I was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. That is a memorial, but it's not where God stopped. I didn't stop there. You can't. You can't be a babe and stop there. You have to move forward. Looking forward, they didn't pitch their tents and stay there. That was not God's plan. It was his plan for them to put that memorial there as a testimony, not just for them, but for others and for the inhabitants of that country because they were fearful. They were afraid. The Israelites weren't afraid. So they moved forward. The memorial was there so that all the earth might know that the hand of the Lord, that it's mighty and that They needed to fear the Lord their God forever. But they also needed to move forward. It was a testimony. It was an encouragement. It was not a dwelling place. There are many times that God will give us victory over something. And it is a testimony that needs to be shared, that needs to be told. But we cannot get stuck there. We can't get stuck at Azusa Street. There is more that God wants for us. Azusa Street, we're going to do far greater. He's going to move in a far greater manner. But there may be some enemies that we have to fight. There may be some struggles that we have to go through. But you have to be remembering that God is going to be for you. He's going to be with us. He's already prepared for us. He has a plan. And we need to rely on him, not our own wisdom, but God's wisdom. Not what we can see, but what God knows. He always speaks of things as if they had already happened. When he was talking to Sarah and Abraham, he already spoke to them as if they had their son, their inheritance. So they celebrated the Passover And then they went forward. When they celebrated the Passover, the captain of the host of the Lord comes and speaks with Joshua. And he tells him, take off your shoes because this ground is holy ground. I wonder when we come to church, 
if we realize that this is holy ground? Do we come to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Do we realize that God's host is already here, standing at attention, waiting to do his bidding, waiting to minister to us, if only we will worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Do we understand that this is where we're going to meet our God together? And if we are willing to worship him in spirit and in truth, he's going to move in the midst of his people. He has come here. Whatever you need, he has here. If we, as wise men, will seek his face. The angels cry, holy, holy, holy. We are not aware that the angels have arrived before us. We are not aware that they are waiting for us to move the throne of God so that he can speak. So Joshua is given instructions of how to go to battle. And we are given instructions. This is our instruction book. But if you don't read it, if you don't meditate upon it, if you don't believe it and memorize it, you won't know. You won't know where God wants to lead you. You won't know in the time of trouble what he's trying to speak to you. Victory comes. They win. They, they march around the walls of Jericho. The walls come down. Victory comes. But with that victory, sin also came. There was sin in the camp that they had to deal with. You know, when you receive a victory, the enemy will always be in the corridor waiting for you because he doesn't want you to dwell in heaven with God forever. He has made his bed. He has no hope, but we always have hope. As long as there's breath in your lungs, there is hope. So don't let the enemy Come on the heels of a victory and tell you that that's all there is because he's a liar and the truth is not in him. So on Joshua 9, 1, it says, And it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side Jordan, in the hills and in the valleys and in all the coasts, The great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusites heard thereof that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. You see, they were afraid. They knew that there was something different about the children of Israel. Maybe they realized that their God was stronger and mightier. Maybe they didn't. Maybe all they knew was they were a small group that were winning battles. They were fearful. They had to join together. So here come the Gibeonites. They had also heard what Joshua had done. So they come, 
but they did work while will willily or they were skillful and they had a plan their plan was to pretend that they were ambassadors from a far country and they did it up good they had moldy bread they had dirty clothes they had worn out shoes they had their bodies were dirty their hair was dirty they looked like they had traveled from a distant land and they came to Joshua to the princes of the children of Israel they took their sacks off the donkeys and they showed them that their bread was dry and moldy and they told them that they had come from a far country and they wanted to make a pact with them that they would be in alliance with the Israelites and it looked like what they were saying were true was true so it says that the israelites the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the lord and joshua made peace with them they didn't ask god's counsel we need to ask God's counsel. We need to seek God's wisdom. Sometimes we think that our wisdom, our knowledge, that we we can make the decision even in the smallest things. This seemed like it was on the up and up. They did have moldy bread. They did look like they had come from a far distance. And so they didn't believe them. But Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Are we going to figure it out? Do we have the mind of God? Can we see the beginning from the end? You know what the problem is? We're impatient. We're not willing to wait. We want to run where the angels dare to tread. We want it to happen now. And it's not just you, it's me. I want it to happen yesterday. But waiting on the Lord, if they had sought his counsel, they always sought his counsel. Joshua sought his counsel before he went to battles. Why did he not then? I don't know. But they did make a pact with them. And after three days of travel, the Israelites came to the city of the Gibeonites. They were neighbors. They dwelt among them. And the children of Israel smote them not, because the princes of the congregation had sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation murmured against the princes. But the princes said, We have sworn unto them by the Lord God. Now, therefore, we may not touch them. They had made a pact with them. And because they had made a pact, they couldn't go against it. But they did make them servants. They were drawers of the water, and they 
were hewers of the wood, but they couldn't make the, they couldn't break that pact. And it was disheartening to the children of Israel because they they were in the promised land. They were ready to fight and claim the land. And they knew that the Gibeonites were not supposed to be dwelling there anymore, that they were supposed to possess that portion of the land. But because Joshua and the princes of Israel had not sought the counsel of God, they couldn't do it. You know, our God is a covenant-keeping God, and I, I, I just believe he had to honor that. And we know that he honored that, that they were faithful to their word, that the oath that they gave them, they kept. Because what happened when Saul broke that oath? On his own accord, he went after the Gibeonites. He didn't see what the outcome was would be, but David did in his reign. There was famine for three years. And when David sought the Lord about it, when he was seeking the king of glory, about why there was this famine, the Lord said, well, it's because of Saul and what he did to the Gibeonites. So what happened? Saul's seven sons were hung. That's all the Gibeonites asked for, were the sons of Saul that were still alive. And they killed him and hung him upon a tree. Because God, when he speaks, his word doesn't fail. And it doesn't change. He's a covenant-keeping God, and he keeps covenant with us. And he kept covenant with those Gibeonites. Yeah, they were sinners. Yeah, they were supposed to be wiped out. But Joshua and the Israelites, they changed that. And so God... He too changed, and he kept the oath that they had with them. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. So after the Gibeonites, after the kings, there were five kings. One of them was the king of Jerusalem. There were five kings in that country that came together. And they were angry with the Gibeonites because it was a big city. It says it was like a city of the princes. And they were angry that they had made a pact with the Israelites. So these kings were going to go after the Gibeonites. And what did the Gibeonites do? They said to Joshua, you come and help fight us, fight for us. Because this army, these kings are coming against us. And he did. And the Lord defeated the enemies. He's always faithful. He's always true. Deuteronomy 17, 15 through 20. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. But he shall not multiply to himself horses and cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, 
ye shall not henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And it shall be when he sits upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out, out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of his law in these statutes, statutes due to do them that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. This is what Moses read to the Israelites. They didn't have a king at that time. Why did God put that in there? Because he knew the heart of the people. Because he could see the beginning from the end. Because he knew one day, after they had dwelt in the land, that they would want to be like all the other people. That they wanted to have a king over them. That they didn't want God to be their king anymore. They wanted a king that they could see. So, they did have kings. And who was the wisest king? Solomon. Solomon, no, he was the wisest king. When God asked Solomon what he wanted, Solomon said wisdom to judge your people. Wisdom, because wise men seek him. Solomon knew it was a heavy, heavy burden to have to be a judge and a ruler over the people. And one of the first situations that we read about is when Solomon had to judge between two mothers, one whose baby died and the other one lived. They lived together. They both had children at the same time, close to two or three days apart. They both had sons. And one mother had accidentally smothered her child in the middle of the night, and she exchanged her child for the live child. And when they came before the king, because they were both fighting over this child, he had such wisdom that could have only come from God. How do you decide? How do you really know who the mother is? They're both claiming the same thing. He says, bring me a sword and I'll divide the baby in half. And he knew that the true mother would want the baby to live no matter what. Even if she couldn't raise that baby, her heart could not stand the idea that they would kill this baby. But the mother that was grieving, she didn't care. She had already lost her child. What was it to her that this other child would die? He had such wisdom that when the queen of Sheba came, she said, the half was not told to me. The silver and the gold but with all his wisdom, who was his first wife that we hear about? She was an Egyptian. From the place that they weren't supposed to ever go back to. He had married one of the princesses 
so that he could make an alliance with the king of Egypt. Why? Did he not have the copy of the law? I think he did. He just did not ask for the counsel of God. And as he grew older and had so many wives and concubines that did not serve God, Solomon, the wisest men that ever lived, that's what the Bible says, whoever you know that's really, really smart, whoever they are, they were not as wise as Solomon. And yet in his old age, he fell because he turned to their, their gods, the gods of his wives. He did not heed to the counsel of God in his own wisdom. Because God had given him so much wisdom, did he think he was wiser than God? Did he quit reading God's word? We don't know, but we do know he didn't obey it. That even before they had a king, God already made a way so that they would understand what it looked like when a king came to the throne, what he was to do and what he was not to do. It's God's wisdom that we need. As this age comes to an end, as things get hectic and crazy, we need to look to God's wisdom, not to our own not to man's wisdom, not to be afraid, but to remember these things that were written. What he did for them, he'll do for us. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. What he's done in the past for you, he'll feed you according to the integrity of his heart. He'll lead you according to the skillfulness of his hand. He doesn't forsake us. Jesus said, I'll never forsake you or leave you. What he did For the New Testament church, greater things than these is he going to do. If you're in a place where you're struggling and you just don't know, turn to the word of God. Ask him and then wait. The key is to wait. Wait for him to speak to you. He'll either speak to you through his word, maybe through somebody else, but he will speak and he will answer. But you have to learn to wait. If you wait on the Lord, you're going to renew your strength. You're going to mount up with wings as eagles. You're going to run and not be weary. You're going to walk and not faint. But you have to learn to wait. The Israelites, they learned some things in that wilderness. Because by the time they had marched through that wilderness and all the elders had passed, They were willing and ready to go conquer that land because they had learned who God was and what he was to them, not to just their fathers, but what he was to them. James 1, 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask it of God that giveth to all men liberally and unbraideth. It shall be given him. You want wisdom? There's only one place to get it from. That's the Lord, from the word of God. Let's turn to Job 38, 1 through 13. This is when Job had gone through all his stuff and his friends. They had said, Job, come on now. You got some problems here. Fess up. But God is talking to Job, and I love this. 
I just love this because it reminds me it doesn't matter where you're at, how difficult the situation or the circumstances, how bleak things can look. My God has created the heavens and the earth and all that's in them. He has the last say. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstones thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut up? the sea who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb when i made the cloud the garment thereof and thick darkness a swaddling band for it and break up for it my decree place and set bars and doors and said hitherto shalt thou come but no further here shall thou pound proud ways be stayed Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days, and caused the day spring to know his place, that it may take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it? Verse 22 says, Knowest thou it, because thou wast then born, or because the number of thy days are great? Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow, or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail? And then verse 41 says, Who provideth for the raven his food? When his young ones cry unto God, they wonder for lack of meat. Who provides for us? Who's our provider? Honestly, you need to start answering these questions for yourself. Do you trust him or don't you? Do you believe his word or don't you? Do you believe that he is good for you and not evil? That he'll give you an expected end? That there is a purpose for every situation and every circumstance? That he's rubbing off those rough places on us and preparing us and helping us to grow and to get stronger so that our emotions are stable and level? So when hard things come, we know who is in charge and where to go and whose voice to listen to. We can't be like that, that wheat in the field that's just blowing with every wind. We have to be strong, and we have to learn how to gird up our loins and to believe that his word is true and that he won't faint and he won't grow weary. And there is no searching of his understanding, that wise men still do seek him, that we are the answer that people need. You know, when we were at the grocery store the other day, there was a cashier, her name was Linda, um, and she had retired and come back. She started working again, and she just started pouring out her heart to us, telling us that her husband had a job, and he had gotten fired, and he has macular degeneration, and she had to start working again because they needed to eat, and 
They were housing some of their grandchildren. People are in dire straits, and they don't know where to go. But God's going to bring those people to us because we have the answer. But if we are wishy-washy and feel like we're in dire straits just like them and fearful, we're not going to be able to give them the answer that they need. We're not going to have the strength that we can give them encouragement, testimonies of what God has done for us, that he has never failed us, that he is our provider, that he can give us light in the darkness. They don't know where to go. You know, I've seen her. I don't know if she recognized me or my husband because we shopped there all the time and she had been retired for a long time. But there was something in her that knew she had to get this off her heart and she knew that she could trust us. So pray for her because we've been praying for her that when we see her again, we'll have opportunity. There are all kinds of people out there. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. They feel hopeless and helpless, but we know where to go. We have memorials. We're not stuck there, but we have memorials that we can tell them about. We have promises that God has done for us and kept for us. He has healed my body. He has delivered my life from destruction. He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies my mouth with good things so that my, my strength is renewed like the eagle's. It's God and God alone. It's his word that washes over me. Where else can we go? Where else can they go? The government is not going to do it for them. We have to not be delusional and think that we can figure out things for ourselves. Without God's wisdom, where would I be? Where can I go but to Jesus? There's nowhere else to go. Who else can I worship? When we come together, we have got to worship him because he can release things into the atmosphere that we don't know need to be released. We have to have our own relationship with God, whether we're in this building or at home in your bedroom. You have to learn to grow in his grace and knowledge. If you can't walk alone, you'll never be able to walk in a group. You have to know that he is your God and he loves you. And he'll take care of you. He'll provide for you. He's got answers in his book. It's not answers from the world. It's answers in his book. But you have to believe it. It's not easy. It's not easy to walk alone. It's not easy to be alone. But it will help you to grow. Just like the trees, just like every plant, it has to grow roots. The wind and the rain have to come. They have to blow. They don't have stamina if they're just in a greenhouse and never out in the open. If you don't plant them outside when they're young, they'll die because they don't have what they need. Their roots have not gone down far enough to sustain them. We have to be like that tree that's planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth our fruit in our season. Our leaf will not wither because our roots are planted deep. 
because we know and we believe what he has said. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 3, 18-20. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Our wisdom is from above. Whatever you're listening to, whatever you're reading, make sure that it is wisdom from God. He is the wise God. He is a master builder. He has plans for you that are good. He has a purpose. Every hardship, every heartache, he has a purpose for that. To help you grow, to help you believe, to help you have confidence that he is the one true God. And nothing, nothing will touch your life unless he allows it. And if he allows it, there will be a way of escape. And there will be an end. But you have to trust him. 1 Corinthians 1, 17 says, Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Can we just stand? And for the last five minutes, can you give him the glory, the honor, the praise. Will you lift up your hands and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for every promise that you've given us. You're faithful and you're just. You're holy and you're righteous. There is none like you, O Lord. We, we submit to your crucifixion process, knowing, O God, that you're working a work within us, that you're giving us strength. You're giving us wisdom and direction for the future, O God. You're helping us to grow in your grace and your knowledge so when hard times come, we'll be able to stand. So when you bring others to us because they don't know where to go, we have the answers and we have the testimonies. You are still the great physician. You are still the great healer. You are still the great I am. You're the great I am of the Old Testament. You are the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. There's none like you in all the earth. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Let it wash over us, O God. Let it be like that anointing oil that it was to the priests, O God. Let it saturate our very beings, O God. When we are afraid, we will turn our eyes unto thee because we know what you've done and we know what you'll do for us, O God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Calvary, O Lord. It was paid at the cross and we can go to the foot of the cross. We can lay it all down before you, O God. O Lord, we thank you for your blood. We thank you, O God, for your stripes of healing, O God. There is none but you, Jesus, and we look to you alone, O God. No other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Thank you, Lord. We trust you and you alone. 
will not look to the left and will not look to the right, but will look to the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. You are holy. You are righteous. You are mighty. Thank you, Lord. I bless your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for you. Thank you for all you've done and all you're doing, oh God. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you. When we need counsel, oh God, we can come to you. Because you are the all-wise God. You are the counselor. You are the prince of peace. You are the righteous judge. We thank you for your wisdom and your direction. In Jesus' name, bless your people, God, with ears to hear, with eyes to see, and with a heart to receive. Let your word go within them. Let it grow. In Jesus' name, let it perform the purpose and the will that you have for them. In Jesus' name I speak it. Amen. Amen. You may be dismissed.